This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Uh, oh, as always, massive show coming up. Before we get stuck in though, if you could leave us a rating or a review even, uh, give it five stars and leave some kind words, we would very much appreciate it. But massive show coming up, Thomas. America now has an Inflation Reduction Act. Catch that and many more great acts performing at FinFest, October 15th. Uh, Walmart's subscription service, Walmart Plus, wants to launch a streaming service, the place for all your homewares dramas, I guess. Not sure what's going on there. Uh, And the Don't Pay UK campaign is gaining momentum. Is it just a storm in an English breakfast teacup? Uh, We'll get to that a bit later. But first, Thomas, Qantas head office staff have been told to pack their bags. No, wait, sorry. They've been told to pack your bags. Thomas, what's happening? (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, a, <laughs> there's a memo gone out to head office staff mm. asking them to volunteer to take part in uh, frontline airport assisting roles, uh, so baggage handling being being one of them. Right. Um, yeah, apparently they're quite short-staffed in the, yeah, I wonder if this counts ground. as like your, uh, you know, like your organisations have volunteering days where you can volunteer <laughs> in the community. <laughs> Why do you volunteer by packing Qantas bags for a day? Volunteer well, uh, with the company. They wouldn't have to pay them either, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, win-win. Yeah, markets responded positively to the <laughs> labour cost-cutting measures. <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah, no, they're, so they're, they're still short-staffed mm. and they're having, a, they're having a terrible time at the moment. I don't know if you saw it, someone, someone egged uh, Alan Joyce's house nah. last week yeah. or the week before or something. People are so angry about it. Which is, like it's pretty, you know, that's premeditated anger. Mm. You know, you got to buy some eggs, find out where he lives. Mm, and eggs aren't cheap. No, no. <laughs> right. So talk about commitment. Yeah, they're having a they're having a bit of a, way, a woeful time. Eight point one percent of domestic services were cancelled in June. Wow, eight point one. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's almost one in ten. Mm. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, like it's we were we were looking at booking some flights, and we actually had to ask the question about whether we're going to go mm. with Qantas because we just weren't sure. You know, one in one in ten chance that you just your flight's going to get cancelled. This is excellent news. I'm flying next week. I'm flying (laughs) next Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. (laughs) Um, It's okay though. I'm not flying Qantas. I'm flying Jetstar. So I imagine that we'll get priority. Yeah. If you are handling my bags next week, do us a solid, would you? (laughs) Slip them through. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the rest of the executive team. (laughs) Yeah. So the 8.1% are cancelled. 46% of flights are delayed. All airlines are struggling because you had this sort of this um, whiplash effect where everything shut down and then it reopened more strongly than expected. Mm. Um, They're under resourced because they shed a lot of resources during the pandemic. 
Um, so they're all struggling, but that 46% of delayed flights is more than double the number, of, uh, the figure in the US. This is a we laid off too many staff story or is this a COVID still around kind of keeping our workforce from working story or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both. The airline was yeah was pointing to the um, COVID sickness and, and COVID has been doing the rounds. So mm. that, that, I think that is in the mix. Yeah, they did, but they did sack a lot of staff. Like I saw one number in there's a few different reports, but I saw as much as 8,000 people uh, were sacked. Right. Some baggage handling was the baggage handlers were sacked and then um, a, a contractors were brought in to handle the baggage handling. And that that was that got challenged in the courts and the federal court said that that was unlawful. Qantas is in the process of challenging, uh, appealing that decision. Mm. But yeah, they did, they did go on a massive um, downsizing and yeah, now seem like they're just under-resourced across the, across the whole organisation. Right. Um, so mm. didn't they? They got a bunch of money di- during COVID, didn't they? Didn't the government they got quite sort of a lot give them a bit of stimuli? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just plopped some stimuli right in there. Two billion dollars of bailout money. Right. <laughs> it's quite a lot. <laughs> and they said, "Thank you for the two billion. We're going to lay some people off." It's kind of the nature. Of, I mean, it was an emergency, hmm. but like it's one of the criticisms of JobKeeper and all the stimulus packages is that there was no accountability and no like commitments like so for that two billion dollars there wasn't a commitment to maintain service levels there wasn't a a commitment to maintain staff levels Mm. there wasn't a commitment to anything it was just two billion dollars yeah right and that's not chicken feed like the entire Qantas company is worth three billion (laughs) dollars so (laughs) so it's like right that's a lot of money I mean effectively the government could have bought two-thirds of um, Qantas mm. and sort of taken it over if they wanted to for that money. But it kind of seems they just sort of Qantas took the money and ran with it and then used used the crisis as an excuse to – I mean, they've, they've had problems with, the un, with their unionised staff for quite a while. Like it was – I think back in 2010 when Alan, Alan Joyce became a celebrity, it was because he, he grounded the entire Qantas fleet to deal with, deal with the union problem. Right. And so they've been, they've been, there's been some troubles there for a while and it does seem, it does look like they've used this opportunity with everyone sort of stuck at home or, or furloughed to sort of clean house and sort of shed a lot of the workforce and, and rejig their arrangements, move to more contractors and those sort of things, mm. which is like when, and to be fair to Qantas, when Virgin came in, they came in um, without the legacy union arrangements that Qantas had and then and worked with a much more agile kind of structure and had more contractors and that sort of thing. Um, so they, I think Qantas is seeing this, saw COVID as a, as a chance to sort of reset their sort of industrial relations regime. Right. Um, but it sort of was just sort of bad timing and now they're, um, now they're getting hammered with a lack of staff. Mm. That said, they did take that $2 billion and do a lot of things with it. So they bought, they replaced their fleet of planes. Mm. And they bought Alliance Aviation, <laughs> which does charter flights for fly and fly out. Right. Yeah, and then gave their executives some bonuses. So I think that people sort of saying like, well, was that the best use of that money? Mm. And like, well, you had, that, you had that money. You can't now complain like, oh, the service is, has gone to custard. Mm. You know, well, that was what the $2 billion was supposed to stop from happening, stop that from happening. So, And arguably now if they're like paying their C-suite to pack bags, they're paying way too much for baggage handling. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Thomas. So America now has the Inflation Reduction Act. Could it really be as exciting as it sounds? <laughs> Uh, no, it's, yeah. not, it's not as exciting as it sounds, but it did get up uh, last week, got through the Senate, um, and it was hotly contested. So it's seen as a win. It's seen as a win for Joe Biden and the Democrats that they, they got this thing over the line. Mm. It's being sold as the Inflation Reduction Act, and... I mean, it's a hot topic. It's the it's the number one topic in America right now. So yeah, so their inflation's at like nine percent or something, isn't it? Yeah, eight point five percent. Right, down, it's down from nine point one percent in June, which was a record highest. It's eased a little. We got inflation in July at zero percent, which kind of gave people like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. Right. Annual inflation dropped to eight point five percent, but eight point five percent still very high. This is a perfect time then to introduce a policy like this. The inflation reduction. Like it's, it's yeah, mm. like to bring it in once you've seen it start to go down, then oh, you're like, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's bring Time it in it. now and mm. then just ride this baby home as we take credit <laughs> as the reduction, the Inflation Reduction Act that we put together now takes credit for any decrease in inflation from here on out yeah. after we've seen, I don't know, have we seen the peak? Well, possibly, possibly, but yeah, don't know for sure. Don't know right. for sure. I mean, oil prices came off, and that's what drove the the, the weaker number in July. Right? But yeah, I don't know because stonks are doing well. The share yeah. market's buoyant. Up, it's up, yeah, it's up, up twenty percent. It's bull market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buy, buy, buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, don't buy. Not a, yeah. not a buy, hold, or sell recommendation. <laughs> Um, so, will the Inflation Reduction Act actually do what it says on the can? Is it going to is it going to actually reduce inflation, or is it going to happen anyway? Uh, my read of what's in the package is that mm. if inflation goes down from here, it won't really be thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act. And I think if we're honest, the Inflation Reduct- Reduction Act isn't really trying to reduce inflation. That's not what it's <laughs> not what it's about. <laughs> I, I mean, love politics. Yeah, I mean they, they do this in America. <laughs> they give these acts grand mm. names, but they're they're all spin. It's like Trump had the Clean Air Act, which was all about mm. gutting the Environmental Protection Agency and increasing pollution. Mm. He called it the Clean Air Act or something. Like yeah, that. right. So they do that in America. You know, seventy percent of Americans think inflation is a very big problem. Forty four percent think it's the number one issue in America right now. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it has that it has that sellability. They're spending $370 billion mm. in the package. So there's a lot of spending going into it. Um, they're doing things. There's energy security and climate change. There's more health care. There's funding for drought relief, a few other things like that. So there's a big spending package. But mm. at the same time, they're raising $740 billion in new taxes. They're, yeah, there's a, they're introducing a 15% minimum tax rate on large corporations. So is that how they're reducing inflation? By taxing everyone more, which then leaves less money going around? That's the idea. That's the idea. Right. That, that's how you get away with calling it an Inflation Reduction Act, is right. that it's taking more money out of the economy than it's putting in. Okay. Which on like... That that level is true, but if you look at the timing, like the Penn Wharton uh, budget model, Penn Wharton's like a, I think, an independent, nonpartisan think tank. Yeah, I don't think you need to tell us who Penn Wharton is. (laughs) 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 All over the model, all over it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, as you would know, the (laughs) the, (laughs) the time... 
<laughs> the timing's all out. So the, the bill, the way it's structured at the moment, actually increases the deficit over the next four years. And 90% of the deficit reduction happens from 2029 through to 2031. So it's like seven right. years from now. Mm. Yeah, inflation's a problem right now. Like it's, it's a problem today and it's a problem this month. If you want to deal with it, you need to deal with it right now. Cutting back on government spending or what the government's contributing to the economy back out in 2029 isn't really going to help you help you right now. Is there anything we can learn from this? I mean, is it too early to say? Is it do, do we need our own inflation reduction act? But potentially, we will. I mean, I think we're sort of heading. Inflation Australia is heading that way. I mean, what, what's interesting, I think, is you get it's it's hard. It's easy to give people money. Through, mm. through, through through the government, through federal spending, it's much harder to take it away. Right. And um, this is what this is trying to do. But, you know, anyone who gets their money taken away from them is unhappy and you create enemies and that creates political problems. So mm. I think we're going to face the same thing in Australia that, you know, a lot of the spending that sort of flowed into the economy through COVID is going to be hard to unwind that without making people upset. You know, think about like a tourism support package, like it's easy to make the case like, well, tourism hasn't recovered yet, like don't be taking away our money. But every sector is going to be making an argument like that. Mm. So it's hard for, for federal governments to wind back the spending once it's in place. But the thing, though, if, if that's happening, if it's hard to do that while inflation is still on a tear away, that puts all of the heavy lifting on monetary policy and puts it all onto interest rates. Right. And so a policy essentially like this which if it's the way i'm you know characterizing it which may be a gross generalization but if it's actually contributing to spending if it's actually juicing the economy in the short term and inflation's still on a runaway that means higher interest rates so mm. i guess it's pushing it all onto onto monetary policy to do the heavy lifting and interest rates have to go higher that might that might be Australia's fate as well. Like if if America can't wrangle this, I think Australia's mm. sort of political system is a bit easier to work with than the American one. Yeah, and you mentioned it's difficult to take money off of people, but in America they've got guns. It's always <laughs> easy to take money off people when you're holding a gun. All right, why don't we uh, why don't we pause there? We'll grab a quick uh, word from this week's sponsors and be back with more comedian versus economist right after this. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email if you like, cve at equitymates.com or via the website equitymates.com forward slash cve. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at cve podcast. Thomas, Walmart Plus got some new features coming out. What is Walmart Plus and what do I get? Yeah, so Walmart Plus is a subscription service to Walmart. Mm. Um, you could think about it like if you were a subscriber to Kmart, um, <laughs> what that might oh, I you. wish. Oh, yeah. mm. I don't know why Kmart doesn't offer it. No. It's a membership 
like everything's trying to go to the subscription business model, um, $12.95 a month. Um, gives you not a whole lot, like free shipping, uh, mm. discount discounts on fuel. Um, I guess if you're like buying a lot of stuff from them, maybe it's, you know, I guess if you're doing like a weekly grocery delivery, maybe it's. Yeah, value. it's an American company. So we're probably not, most of our listeners probably aren't really across what Walmart does and doesn't sell. So mm. it's hard to see the benefit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think in Australia we can order from Walmart. So it sounds a lot like what you get with an Amazon subscription. I think I think that's what they that's what they're doing. Like Amazon, as always, is setting the setting the bar, mm. and this is Walmart's attempt to to sort of catch up to it. What What's interesting? What we learned this week, it's out in the Wall Street Journal, was um, covering this. It's saying that uh, Walmart executives are having chats with Paramount, Disney, and Comcast about partnering right. up to offer a, offer a streaming service as part of Walmart Plus. This is out of control, the streaming service thing. Mm. Like I, I feel like now companies are just making a streaming service and then working out what they'll put on it later. Yeah. Like even, oh, man, I was browsing some shows on, uh, I forget which one, I'm not even sure, and there was this Korean baseball series that was like a reality TV show about these Korean baseball teams. And it looked kind of interesting, but it turned on, it was just garbage. And it just got me thinking, like, th- this is... Who want who wanted this? <laughs> you know, in Netflix Australia. Like what's the what's the market for a reality TV show based around two Korean baseball teams? Yeah. Niche. Yeah. It, I'm sure it's interesting to someone, but I just feel mm. like there's more and more as I try and find shows on, on different platforms now mm. that it's just we've got the platform, so now we'll just find stuff to put on there and hope that someone watches it. Yeah, yeah, and have a few big ticket ones, you know, big ticket yeah, items, yeah. and and hope that 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 has a halo effect or whatever it is. I mean, it's starting to feel like TV did mm. five, ten years ago, right? Like there's yeah, lot, lots on most of its junk. You catch mm. a few good things on each one. Yeah, but now but we get to pay for it. Pay for nice. it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Another win for capitalism. <laughs> delivering for consumers. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I remember whinging about Foxtel being like $35 a month and thinking, <laughs> oh, man, I can't afford that. <laughs> now my streaming bill's like $80 across nine services. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. But it is very crowded. You think, you think there has to be some sort of rationalisation happening there. I mean, if they were, if they were like, if it was on brand, if there was like Walmart were just, and they were just streaming shows that was like, this is how we make cereal boxes at the box factory. <laughs> this is kind of, there's a Twitter account I follow that's, that's just like how stuff gets made and they just post videos of how stuff gets made and it's fascinating. If that was, if that's their streaming offering and if it was, if it was on point, I could see how it's like, you know, a thing. Yeah. But, Otherwise, I don't know. For it. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think there's two things they're trying to do. Like one is, is just tapping more consumers. So a few others have sort of partnered up with streaming services like Verizon and T-Mobile in America have deals that give their customers discounted subscriptions to Disney Plus and Paramount Plus. Hmm. Um, so it's sort of the idea that like, there's already a lot of consumers there. It's about helping pull those particular consumers who are like, in the in the Disney Plus area into into Walmart and do and sort of like just accessing that consumer base. So that's that's sort mm. of one potential driver. But the other is I think there's this push towards a super app. So a super app where it's just like one app for everything that you've 
the everything that you do, everything that you mm. buy. And this is sort of more advanced in China and, and Asia. So you've got Tencent in China, Grab in Singapore, Paytm in India. You know, you get a whole range of services from food delivery to streaming to chat to all these different things bundled together in one super app. And then if mm. you own that super app, you own commerce. And that's always been Amazon's agenda. Amazon's always been there to like, we just want to own the pipes of commerce, right. yeah, have full control of it. And so this is Walmart's, I think, play to like, well, okay, let's let's try beef out the Walmart offering that's not just what's in the physical stores, but then you have the Walmart super app and they're, they're trying to, I think that's where they're, they're going mm. with it. It seems an interesting, like, thing to tackle first. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I know they've got some basic stuff, but I don't know, like the streaming market is so crowded at the moment that mm. it seems an odd one to go after. Like, wouldn't you, like, I don't know, was there no other value proposition they could come up with for the Walmart Plus? They went, no, we're going to have to launch a streaming service if we want to be competitive. Mm. Like, they could have, I don't know, even like Walmart ride sharing or something. If, yeah. I don't know. I'm I mean, I think, I think the interesting thing with, with, with Walmart is you need anything in the Walmart Plus has to be something that is almost universal. That's why mm. I think like, like shopping and uh, fuel go so well together. Like his shopper dockets for fuel discounts in Australia. It makes sense because everyone who buys grocery. <laughs> it was in 1992. <laughs> yeah, mm. but you still have like Woolworths yeah, owns a whole, a whole bunch of fuel. And so, but it mm. makes sense because your customers who buy groceries are the same customers who buy fuel. Mm. But if you're like for ride sharing, for example, everyone who should, not everyone who shops at Walmart would ride share mm. necessarily. It's pretty good, but it's like, so, like, it decreases the the appeal of the, the subscription membership if you have things in there that people don't actually want. Mm. Do you know, like, if you had food delivery or something? Yeah, or I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, if you're like, well, no, I don't, I don't need that. I'm not going to subscribe mm. because that's not an offering that I want. So you need, you need things in the bundle that have universal appeal, and streaming yeah. is is one of them. Like it's, you know, most people have some kind of streaming thing going on. They could maybe target like scented candles because everyone loves <laughs> like scented candles. <laughs> Finally, today, don't pay UK, Thomas. What is don't pay UK all about? Yeah, so this is a, a campaign being organised. It's uh, trying to get a million people to commit to not paying their electricity bills in uh, winter in, mm-hmm. in the UK this year. Not, actually, not to say not pay at all, but to, to cancel their direct debit yep. uh, arrangements with their electricity provider. Mm. Yeah, and just sort of hit them that way, saying that, yeah, that energy prices are through the roof in the UK as they are sort of everywhere and it's not okay for them. They're saying like it's going to result in deaths. But hang on, so the, the, the whole argument here is that they're going to – to not pay their energy bill to their energy provider, mm. they're, they're protesting against the government. So they're sort of protesting through their provider, is that? Am I reading that right? Yeah, so I think, I think the government, like, like it is here, it's a regulated market and the government mm. controls what, part, what costs can get passed on through price increases. Right. It's not a market price in that sense. It's set by the government, but the government does have to respond to the wholesale electricity price pressures. They're angry at the government or they're angry at the retailers or at the providers um, or both? Probably a bit of both. I mean, I think they're mm. particularly angry that a lot of UK energy companies have made a mozza 
during this process and energy generators in particular mm. and your shell and your bp they've made a lot of money uh but they haven't pass that on and and there's been sort of some piecemeal attempts to sort of try and smooth it over for consumers but they're saying it's it's skewed it's mm. companies are making a lot of money but because uh, consumers that are bearing the brunt of it so they want a million signatures mm. and what do they got at the moment uh, i think it's over, over a hundred thousand hundred and hundred thousand mm. yeah so then they need to 10 for 10x that in the next two months mm. which i don't think it's going to work no you know, yeah. no no, no. no. I, well, I have complete confidence in general apathy of the mm. masses. And the problem is it's mostly being run online, this petition. Mm. And it's just too easy to sign up. Mm. Like, mm. like I just imagine people just like, well, I've changed my profile picture to like support this thing. I don't like, uh. <laughs> what more can I do? I can, I, can, I can sign up to a form. So I just think people will pledge to to do this thing but I don't I don't know how many are actually going to follow through when it comes down to it because there's a real cost right there's a if you don't pay your energy bill they cut off your power <laughs> yeah like, that's a bold thing to try and do and hope that the other million people that signed up are going to do the same thing it's not that simple that they just cut off your power it is mm. they have this thing with pre there's prepaid or like a kind of pay-as-you-go system in the UK and they're not suggesting people on those arrangements do. What they're suggesting mm. is people on direct debits. If you, if you don't pay on time, there's then 28 days where the company has to negotiate with you to try and figure out how to do it. Ah. If that doesn't work, they then got to take you to court and put you on some kind of payment plan to get the money from you. Ah, right. They can't just cut off your energy. They're not, not allowed to do that. Ah. And so that's sort of the play is saying like we want to hit them in two ways. One is like if they lose that cash flow, if, if everyone cuts their direct debits, mm. suddenly all that cash, that regular cash flow that they rely on, and they're probably pretty nimble, lean organisations, so they're quite, probably quite dependent on, there's mm. probably not a lot of room in their cash flow to sort of deal with like, you know, 50% say of customers yeah, yeah. Cu- cutting their direct debits. So that puts stress on them. Then they've right. got to then follow up with a million customers and chase them through the courts to get the money back from them. Right. And like I was reading one guy saying, who's saying like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to cancel it, but you know, I'm not, I will, I'll pay like on the last day or when I get the court letter, I'm not going to, I'm going right. to, I'm not going to let them cut them off and I'm not going to, it's not going to show up on my credit rating, but I'm going to, kick up ah. a stink and, and make it make it difficult for them. Okay. Well, I could see yeah. how that could work. Yeah, yeah. So if they mm. get enough people to do that, to just, just drag their heels and create a fuss, mm. it could, you know, on a, on a big enough scale, that would, that would create a lot of problems. I mean, they've got, a, they've got about 100,000 at the moment. Mm. I'm dubious on the numbers, mainly because I signed up. So... <laughs> <laughs> I got a temporary email address and I signed up because I wanted to see how far I could get without being an active UK energy customer. Mm. And I got all the way through and the number ticked over from 106,000, whatever it was, to one more. Mm. And so I don't know, like I imagine there'd be a lot of people just just sussing it out, putting in, there'd be a lot of bots. There was no no Google capture or anything to stop me just... (laughs) (laughs) So there'd be a lot of spam bots just sending don't pay UK, like, you know, um, phishing emails. Mm. The funniest thing, though, was the welcome email that I got after I signed up. So this welcome email came in and literally the call to action in the welcome email 
was asking me if I could spare a few pounds to help with the campaign. <laughs> this campaign that's trying to fight the cost of living and trying to fight rising prices and the fact that nobody can afford to pay their energy bill. <laughs> and the first thing they ask you to do is spare a few pounds, help the cause. Sorry, yeah. man, I've, all my money's tied up actually. <laughs> that's why I signed up. Uh, yeah, nah, but it's probably it's it's small change compared to like your electricity bill. Surely in the UK, like yeah, we're talking about it's like going going average household bills going over to four and a half thousand pounds mm. a year in the UK. So yeah, mm. electricity's yeah, it's going to hurt. Yeah, there was something that Citizens Advice is an advocacy group saying that self disconnections are up eightfold. So that's people like, oh, oh wow. I can't afford electricity anymore. I'm just going to disconnect and just suffer through winter or whatever. I think yeah, 3,600 right, people between January and May this year already. And that's it. That's right. in summer. Well, January's, I guess, winter. But it's a real story. Like, it's, yeah, it's people, health and, and life and safety is at risk because they just can't afford the electricity. Mm. And so that's what. That's what they're sort of going for. All right. I'll unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I think it's also like if they get like, even if they get, they don't get a million, but they get 500,000, it's enough to sort of say this is a big enough issue that enough people really Mm. care about it, enough people are going to take some action over it. It's, I mean, I think it's a clever campaign. Like it's cancelling your direct debit is a pretty easy action item. It's not, Mm. you don't even have to get on the train and attend a protest. You just... Cancel your direct debit. It's, it's about as easy as activism gets. Mm, but true. if you get enough get enough people together, it really puts the issue on the political map and, and then can can shift things. Mm. There's an interesting precedent to this, which I, I don't think you know about, but there's a there was a sewerage water, it was in southern water in Kent, in like the water provider in Kent. Uh, in 2020, they were fined 90 million pounds for dumping raw sewerage into the sea. Right. Yeah, and they then tried to pass that cost onto consumers, and the consumers are like, "We're not paying for, for you <laughs> clean up your mess." Yeah. And consumers went on strike. They refused to pay, and in the end, they got 50 percent off their off their bills. So hang on, the, the consumers got not 50 percent back of what they paid to to cover the sewerage dumping, just a 50 percent discount off their bills. I don't know, isn't that the same thing? Well, if your normal bill is like $50 mm. and then I was like, oh, yeah, but we as a business we had to dump a bunch of sewerage and then we got fined $90 million, so now your bill is going to be $100 instead of $50. Mm. And then we, you protested, so I went, all right, you can have 50% of it back and we'll just charge you $75 instead of $100. It's uh, still down $25. Yeah, this is way more detail than I'm aware. I don't know how much the <laughs> prices went up or how much they went down. This is 50%, all right? It's a big number, Jesus. 50%. It's half. Do, you re- half. do your own research, just the yeah. living embodiment. <laughs> don't, don't get caught in the weeds. Yeah, we might leave it there. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in once again. Uh, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget FinFest happening October 15th. Head to equitymates.com forward slash FinFest for all the info. And that's it for us. You can send us an email if you like, cve at equitymates.com or get us on Facebook and Instagram at CVE Podcasts. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. 
The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.